0: Good evening, everyone. Today, as usual, as we do every Friday evening, we're going to talk about current events. We're gonna look at the news headlines, the articles of the week, and see how they fit in to Bible prophecy, see what the Bible says concerning the last days, and how the news events relates to uh, what the Bible says. And as usual, that's supposed to be meant to encourage us, and also it's supposed to be used as a means to share the gospel with those who have not yet placed their trust in Jesus Christ. So I'm looking forward to tonight, Looking forward to more people joining. So you will get started shortly as more people join and it'll just be me tonight So I'll just talk more about That later Um, But first just waiting for more people to join. Thanks for joining guys As usual, there's a ton going on um, Around the world a ton going on in the Middle East as we see Lots going on in the US Um, uh, natural disasters, heat waves and things like that. That's always on the uptick. Uh, We're going to look at some interesting news coming out of Europe, a Roman Empire um, that kind of relates back to, at least makes me think back to Daniel 7. So that's also interesting. All in all, as usual, I mean, every week we come back here and we see that um, the things that we're seeing around the world is just setting the stage for what the Bible says, right? So that's that's what we're going to see here. Hello guys, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. So yeah, so tonight's just going to be me. Brother Stefan right now is not feeling too well, so I hope you guys can keep him in prayer. Um, he as he spoke last week and a few weeks back as well on these lives, that he's just experiencing a lot of pain um, right now. So he's, he's taking medication as well, but it's not doing him too good. So again, just keep him in prayer. Hopefully he can uh, feel better and get back to his regular Bible studies as well. So hopefully we'll also be seeing him next week, Lord willing. Uh, so without being started, I will just pray for this live. Pray that the Lord just uh, helps us and guides us tonight, and we'll get started. Uh, Father, I just thank you for this amazing opportunity I have, Lord, uh, to just uh, talk about props, talk about these news events, how it relates to your word. Uh, we just ask that your Holy Spirit helps, it, helps us shed light uh, into everything going on, Lord. We have your word, so we are not at a loss or we should not be at a loss to what's going on. We should be the ones uh, that are well equipped uh, to talk to others about what's going on, Lord. We don't know, it's not that we're we're at a loss concerning the news events, not that we should be clueless concerning these things, Lord. Uh, we are the ones that should be most informed concerning what's going on around the world. So we ask that you just use this time uh, to equip us to share this news with others, uh, use it to point them to Christ and also use it to encourage fellow believers Lord and I just pray for everybody uh, here that's listening or watching after uh, this replay Lord that uh, That you just intercede on their lives. They have uh, things going on because we all have our own difficulties We all have our own trials and tribulations. We're going through Lord So I just pray that you uh, just increase our faith during these times of difficulty They use studies like this Lord to encourage each other um, And to just remind us that this world is not our home. This is not our final destination Um, that there's still more to come, and that's worth looking forward to. I pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, guys, let's get started. Uh, So I'm going to start us off with um, natural disasters and a lot going on there. Um, We've seen the USA Today reported, January 29th, so just a few days ago, or June 29th, sorry, uh, that there was an earthquake storm in South Carolina. State shook by two of its strongest quakes in years. So they reported that just a few days back. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we've been seeing, again, record high heat waves across the world, um, especially here in the U.S. And that's also stressing, adding stress to uh, the food situation, right? So the, the, that we're not being able to grow as much food, crops are dying out, things like this. We talked about how, uh, I believe it was in Kansas, I forgot the state, where like several thousand cattle died due to a heat wave, reportedly. Uh, That's what they're saying. But these heat waves are causing a lot of different things, right? They're already adding stress to the fragile system that we have right now. Newsweek reported something. Uh, A roaming star could rain millions of comets down on Earth in future doomsday. Uh, So when I see these type of articles, I always go back to Revelation. I think it's about eight or nine um, with the trumpet judgments, right? Because we have several of the trumpet judgments that look like it's about comets, comets coming to the earth, or meteors, um, striking the earth and just having disaster effects to the world. And what's interesting is when you see these articles coming out recently concerning like NASA and these different space agencies saying that they're trying to track these asteroids, track these comets, or they're looking for this big one or whatever, or they're trying to divert a comet from actually hitting the earth, you have to ask the question, what do they know that they might not be telling the public. What are they supposedly preparing for? Because they're preparing to divert comets away from the Earth. They wanna uh, hit an asteroid before it hits us. It's like, well, why do you wanna do that if you don't expect that to happen in the future? And we know from scripture that is gonna happen. No matter what they try to do to divert an asteroid or or detect an asteroid or whatever, um, it's not gonna be successful, right? So this article by Newsweek, again, the headline is Roaming Star could rain millions of comets down on Earth in future doomsdays is very interesting. I'm just gonna read a bit of it and just and speak to the possible prophetic significance of this. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that this specific event that they're talking about here in this article is what the Bible is saying. I'm just saying that these articles concerning uh, the fears people are having concerning possible asteroids or comets, uh, creating some type of doomsday scenario in the future should bring us back to what the Bible says is gonna happen, right? So this article says Earth could be peppered with deadly wayward comets in just over a million years time. And I don't believe in their timeline, but again, this is just what they're saying. I'm just reporting on that. When a wandering star enters the outer reaches of the solar system, popular culture is full of cosmic doomsday scenarios, many of which involve scientists detecting a large asteroid hurling towards Earth. So this this article, again, specifically focuses on a comet streaking past the Earth in some future time and it rains down, it peppers down upon the earth millions of comets, right? So that's very interesting. Um, Let's just look at what the Bible says concerning uh, this type of scenario. So the first one is Revelation 8, verse eight through nine, verses eight through nine, is the second trumpet judgment. So then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burned with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of ships were destroyed. So uh, Revelation, so the Second trumpet of Judgment usually has two different views to it. Some people will say that's an asteroid, a huge asteroid hitting the earth and then causing a third of the waters being struck. Some people will say, well, that's actually a volcano that um, collapses on itself. So both are pl- plausible, actually. I've looked at both scenarios, so we don't really know fully what it is. We just know that something happens in the future um, that could be both. But I definitely believe that the fourth trumpet judgment though is an asteroid of some type. So the fourth trumpet judgment, that's verses uh, 12 and 13 of Revelation 8. Then the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of stars. Um, third of them was darkened. Let's see, actually, no, sorry. that I'm thinking about 3rd the third trumpet judgment. So that's Revelation uh, 8, verse 10 and 11. Then the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. So I would really, so my mind went to Wormwood when I read this article. They're talking about a roaming star one day bringing in millions of comets down on earth, while this third trumpet judgment says that a great star fell from heaven, burned like a torch, and then from it um, these these, I guess, meteorites or whatever, Falls in the third of the rivers and the springs of the water uh, of Earth, turning it into wormwood. Right, it made it bitter due to due to the star that was called wormwood. So again, I'm just repeating myself that I'm not saying that what these scientists are predicting is what's going to happen. I'm just saying that there's this general fear that they have of possible uh, future event that the Bible already speaks of. Right, so it's just very interesting to see. How this is happening in the world around us. Um, so, just moving on to different news here. Um, moving on to anti-Semitism. That's a growing issue. We, we usually talk about. Um, we talk about it concerning um, uh, Bible prophecy, such as uh, the the millennium, right? So many people have a view that oh, the millennium isn't literal; that it's symbolic. We know people who are Reformed believe that. Um, a large, actually, large percent of the church nowadays, the evangelical church. Takes this view that the millennial kingdom, for example, isn't really literal; it's symbolic. They believe in like post-millennialism, amillennialism. and with that view, unfortunately, brings in some anti-Semitism, or at least it brings in replacement theology, which which I would say is anti-Semitic. Um, so it's just the view that the church has replaced Israel; um, God is done with His people. So we're seeing a growing hatred for the Jews, unfortunately, in the church. Uh, at least anti-semitism in in some waves um, concerning replacement theology. And and this is what we're seeing um, in the news around the world. And we're gonna see some articles here from Israel 365. And and this isn't coming mainly from the secular world, but we're really seeing news articles coming from the Christian world concerning anti-semitism, concerning replacement theology. So Israel 365 News, here's one article. More than 120 UNRWA employees, that's uh, the United Nations employees, called to murder Jews. Only six are suspended. So the director of UN Watch has criticized the United Nations Relief and Works Agency for Palestinian refugees in the Near East for its failure to dismiss six educators the Geneva-based NGO claims. Excuse me. A recent review by UN Watch of UNRWA WA operations in Palestinian schools, found that the teachers have repeatedly and publicly called for the murder of Jews. Uh, Following the publication of the UN Watch report, the NGO demanded the six educators be fired. Instead, they were placed on administrative leave. Teachers who called to murder Jews must be barred from the classroom of life or for life, UN Watch chief said. Um, So UN Watch had exposed more than 120 teachers and other staff who praise Hitler, glorify terrorism, and spread anti-Semitism. So again, guys, this isn't just 120 employees from just some random organization doing some humanitarian work. These are 120 employees from the UN, from the United Nations Relief and Works Agency uh, for Palestinian refugees. And they're the ones saying that. They wanna murder murder Jews. They're glorifying Hitler and praising Hitler for for what he's done uh, in terms of how he dealt with the Jews. Um, so that's the anti-Semitism we're seeing in that part, and that's the UN, that's in the UN, right? And we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, whenever the UN gathers and then they do their uh, resolutions against nations, right, they don't do resolutions against Venezuela or, or, or these um, different nations that are actually barbaric, that actually have human rights violations, the most uh, resolutions they do is always against Israel. So this doesn't really surprise me to see this antisemitism coming from the UN. Another piece of news here, Israel 3 5 News. A Presbyterian church compares Israel to Nazis, calls Christian Zionism, idolatry, and heresy. So on Tuesday, by a vote of, uh, and this is Tuesday this week, by a vote of 28 for four and only three against, the Presbyterian church of the United States of America an umbrella group representing churches across the country claiming over 1.7 million members passed several anti-Semitism or anti-Israel resolutions, including one that labeled Israel an apartheid state and compared Israel's treatment of the Palestinians to the Nazis' genocidal treatment of the Jews. And again, guys, this is the Presbyterian Church of the United States that voted for these, uh, I guess, resolutions. 28 were for it and only three were against it. The resolution called for members, congregations, presbyteries, and national staff units, including the Office of Interfaith Relations, to seek appropriate ways to bring an end to Israeli apartheid, even though we know that's, that's not going on, that's a lie that's being perpetuated right now. Uh, the resolution, and this is the, this is the part that really surprised me here. The resolution called to designate May 15th as Palestinian Nakba Remembrance Day. Uh, Nakba, or catastrophe, refers to 1948, when Israel successfully defended itself from seven Arab nations, attacking from all sides in an attempt to wipe out the Jewish nation. Nakba Day commemorates this as a catastrophe. So if you guys don't understand, um, as as this article states, 1948, Arab nations tried to wipe Israel off the map. That didn't succeed, obviously. God intervened. From that day forward, Muslims have always regarded Israel and their existence as a Nakba, meaning a catastrophe that Israel shouldn't exist. And what the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America is doing in one of the resolutions is that they want to recognize May 15th as Palestinian Nakba Remembrance Day, meaning that they want to recognize Israel's existence as a catastrophe. That's the church. So that's that's really unfortunate uh, to see that. And here's another article here, and then after I speak on this article, I'll get into why this is prophetically significant exactly. Uh, So Israel 365 News, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic reverend, again, this is from the church, this isn't just from the world, this is from the church, or or so-called church, so-called Christians, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic reverend, appointed head of World Council of Churches. Uh, Reverend Professor Dr. Jerry Pillay, a South African Uniting Presbyterian Church member, has been elected as the next General Secretary of the World Council of Churches, I've never even heard of such a thing. Um, Peleus compared, so here it is, Peleus compared Zionism to apartheid in his native South Africa and called on fellow Christians to resist the empirical ambition of Israeli Jews. Uh, Despite being a member of the Christian clergy, Pele rejected the biblical historical connection between the Jews and the land of Israel, accusing the Jewish settlers of abusing the indigenous people of land. And there's, I mean, you guys already know this, right? If you guys have been following us for any length of time now, you'll remember that Brother Stefan and I often come up here on, on Fridays, on Saturdays. Um sometimes we we, we start off on Bible prophecy updates, ironically enough, with an update on an archaeological discovery, on historical discovery, right? We say, hey, you know, this is great news. There's another discovery uh, pointing to the Jewish uh presence in the land that dates back thousands of thousands of years. And me and Brother Stefan made this joke that, hey, It's almost like they come up with, you know, they discover something new every month, every other week. And I've made the joke that, okay, we've seen all these Israeli discoveries or the Palestinian historical discoveries or the Palestinian archaeological discoveries, right? We don't see those. We only see things that tie the Jews back to their land. Uh, So it's amazing for this guy to say that Christians should disassociate what the Bible says with the Jews of the land. It's amazing how, uh, these Presbyterian church people are saying that, um, they, they said here, the church also said in the statement that it rejected the doctrines of Christian Zionism that tend toward idolatry and heresy. And for those of you guys who don't know, Zionism, all that is is when you believe that the Jews have a right to their homeland. So if you believe that the, the Israel is the land of the Jews and they have a right to that land, you are a Zionist. So often term, oftentimes that word is used in a derogatory way uh, people use it to make people feel bad but all it literally means is that you believe the Jews belong to their land and they have a right to that land um so they're basically saying that christian zionism or the belief that you're a christian and you believe the Jews have the right to their land is heresy it's it's idolatry um even though it's, it's scriptural god gave them that land so we just have to we just have to be careful about that and why this increase in anti-semitism is so uh, important to keep an eye on in these last days we're living in is just concerning what the Bible says, concerning anti-Semitism. right? We know that in the tribulation, it's gonna explode. Uh, Two thirds of the Jews are gonna be wiped out, unfortunately, during tribulation. The Antichrist is gonna wage war against them. Uh, Likewise, he's gonna wage war against the church. So that's why we're seeing an increase in Christian persecution. We shouldn't be surprised, even though it's really um, unfortunate. But we see this in places like Zechariah 12, 1-3, uh, where the, basically the Bible tells us that one day during the last days, this tribulation period that's coming, all the nations of the world, everyone will be against the Jews, will be against Israel. And this is ultimately a spiritual problem. This is ultimately satanic. It's satanically expired. And we'll see that in Revelation 12. But Zechariah 12, 1, 3 says, "...the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel." Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I'll make Jerusalem a cup and drunkenness to all the strong peoples. When they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem and it shall happen in that day, they'll make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely become pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. So we see again that all nations will be gathered against Jerusalem. Um, Joel three one to three. This shows a picture of Jesus actually coming back after this after the tribulation, and he judges the nations in the valley of Josephath based on how they treated the Jews during the tribulation. And this is some of what we see in Scripture concerning why he judges the nations. So Joel chapter three, verses one to three. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations. We're seeing that all nations again and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They've also divided up my land, so dividing the land is a bad thing, don't do that. They have cast lots for my people, have given the boys a payment for harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Um, so we just see these terrible things happening to the Jews. Revelation 12 is also a great picture of this coming persecution against God's people. Uh, we see the dragon or Satan, he will be persecuting the woman, which is Israel, but God will protect Israel um, through the last half of the tribulation period. Um, so we just see that picture there of Revelation 12. But essentially guys, uh, what this shows us is that as we see um, this anti-Semitism increasing against Jews, we shouldn't be surprised and asking ourselves what's going on here. It should, as we get closer and closer to the tribulation, this is what we should be seeing. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's a good thing, but it just means that this is what God's word is said is going to look like in the last days. And we're seeing that happening right now, right? We're seeing the stage being set. So that's just important to note here. Uh, Cody made a comment earlier concerning the the talk of the comets we were talking about earlier and the asteroid and uh, the various judgments in Revelation 8. He said, Tom Horn is some good insight into a possible asteroid called Apophis predicted to hit Earth at 2029. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys watch Prophecy Watchers, uh, Tom Horn goes on there a lot and he's talked about Apophis. He's talked about a dream he's had. Um yeah, and it's a very it's a very interesting interesting dream. He talks about it, uh what it is and he's written this book concerning Apophis. And he truly believes that you know that NASA and all these different organizations, they know what's coming, but they won't they don't want to tell the public obviously, to not freak the public out. And he really believes that this asteroid that they're monitoring is Apophis and that it's it's what's going to be wormwood in the future essentially. So that's that's what that is. Now, whether that's the case or not, we don't know. But, I mean, it's very interesting to, to consider. We know ultimately, you know, whatever this asteroid is going to be in the future, whatever name it's going to be, we know ultimately it is coming. It's going to happen. And there's no way that the Earth can defend itself from it. The best way to not experience that judgment is just believe in the Lord, right? And don't go through tribulation in the first place. So uh, no use trying to set up anti defense, you know, anti-asteroid defense systems or anything like that. Okay, so the next article here is from Israel 365 News. So we're going to um, more so the Middle East now. So Christians, this one is interesting and I want to I want to speak on this from a different perspective here, but, but let's dig into this a little bit. Israel 365 News, Christians help Jews search for red heifer to reinstate temple service. So Christians are helping Jews here reinstating the temple service. So do you guys personally think it's a good thing for Christians to be helping Jews trying to rebuild the third temple? I'll just put that question out there. You guys can answer in the in the comments there, bro. I'll, I'll get into what my thoughts are uh, shortly here. Let me just read this article quick. So last year, the Temple Institute was contacted by a cattle farmer in Comanche, Texas, who informed them that five red, cattles, or five, five red calves Had been born on his ranch, about two and a half hours trial from Dallas. Uh, Byron Stinson, a team leader in America for Bona Israel. He said, I didn't set out to do this, but right now, I am probably the best red heifer hunter in Texas. The Bible says to bring red cow to purify Israel, and I may not understand it, but I'm just doing what the Bible said. The prophecies, he's, he's saying here, the prophecies came true, and the Jews are back in Israel. Now they need to build a temple, but it's like buying a really nice car. If you don't have the key, you aren't going anywhere. The red heifer is the key to make the temple work like it's supposed to. And then he says, there are five elements necessary, or the article says there are five elements necessary to perform the ritual of the red heifer. We need the crimson wool, which the temple institute knows how to make. We need the cedar, which we can get, and we need the specific location on the Mount of Olives, which you can purchase. And finally, we need the cow, and we are working on that. So essentially the last, the last portion of this article here, they're saying that, hey, they need five things for the temple, for the right, uh, for the ritual, for the right effort. And they're basically saying that they basically have four of those things and they, they're working on the fifth one. So they're ready to go, right? Um, Let's see, the comments here, we need to build a space wall to for the asteroids, JK and yeah, can. But yeah, so right here, it's just a very interesting article because we see two things here. We see Christians trying to help out Jews, reinstate the temple sacrifices, And then we see Jews really working hard to reach this vision of building the third temple and reinstating the temple sacrifices. So ultimately we know from scripture, I mean, it's gonna happen, right? Whether we participate in helping them out or not, it's gonna happen. We see this in Daniel um, seven here or Daniel nine. So let me go to Daniel nine. So Daniel nine talks about the 70 week prophecy and then it talks about um, the, the 70th week and that the Antichrist will make a covenant. So let's see, right here, Daniel 9, 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the week of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is put on the desolate. So essentially the Antichrist will confirm a covenant for a week, for seven years, that will start with the tribulation. In In the middle of the seven years, he will break this covenant, and perform the, what's called the abomination and desolation. He will stop the sacrifice in the temple and present something there and, and demand worship as God, essentially. So for that to happen, we just need a third temple. We need sacrifices reinstated for this uh, abomination and desolation to occur. Uh, now, going back to my original question I posed to you guys, is it a good, knowing this, knowing that this third temple is eventually going to be used by the Antichrist Is it a good thing for Christians to be trying to help out the Jews to build a third temple? I personally believe not, uh, because I do know some Christians, you know, donate to the Temple Institute and things like that. Uh, Amir Safadi, which a lot of you guys know, he's talked about this. He's told Christians, don't be helping out the Temple Institute. Don't be donating. Don't donate to the Jews to build their temple. You should use that money instead for organizations that share the gospel with the Jews, right? You don't want to be helping out the Jews for what's going to be standing under the tribulation, that the Antichrist is gonna declare himself God in, you wanna be helping them share, you wanna help share the gospel to them, right? So I, I know this man who has these red heifers, I'm sure he has good intentions, but it's just definitely not what Christians should be doing. Um So I just wanted to talk about this article. Um, on the flip side though, again, this shows us the, the speedy pace of this. It shows us the desire for the acquisition of the red heifers, the desire to reinstate um, the temple sacrifices. Another article talks about these red heifers and their significance. Israel three six five news. Crimson worm dye, a key element for red heifer sacrifice, developed in preparation for the third temple. So on Monday, uh, the Temple Institute completed its study of the biblical crimson dye with a practical demonstration. Demonstration. The study is part of the institute's ongoing red heifer project. So again, we can see that the red heifer is super significant. Personally, I first heard of the red heifer in 2017, and since then, it's like every year we always hear about the red heifer. Oh, they've they've found a you know spotless red heifer, and then it grows like a white hair, and then they have to you know take it out of the process. Right? It has to be spotless, no red hair. It can't be yoked, can't be pregnant, couldn't have been used for any work, because they have to burn this, kill this red heifer, burn it, and use its ashes uh, for purifying to start the temple services. Right? So that's why this is so important, to have this red heifer. A perfectly red heifer is slaughtered and burned entirely outside the temple. The ashes are necessary to purify Jews, just like just as I was saying, who have been rendered ritually impure by contact approximately to a dead body. So this is very uh, significant to the Jewish people and that's why they want the red heifer. So, but yeah, like I said, we shouldn't be helping out the Jews in, in terms of trying to get the red heifer or uh, donate to third temple sacrifices or third temple uh, building of the third temple, it's gonna happen eventually, but we shouldn't be helping out for that. I think Cody here says it's a repeat of Jesus' first coming, they were concerned more about rebuilding rather than correct doctrine doing the will of God. Yeah, exactly. As um, Nunes says, my opinion is no, just no, thank you. Yeah, we we should not be helping to do that. So that's 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 just an inter- interesting piece of news, but it's just worth our attention to make sure that we, we have a correct understanding of these things. Because I think a lot of times, um, some people may believe that, man, um, I want to help bring these prophecies to life. Like I know some people have that mentality where they feel like they can do something to maybe bring about some of these prophecies. Um, and more so I think what our thinking should be is that whatever you know happens on the world stage, God has control of it and he's gonna use everything that happens to bring about his goodwill. Um, but it's it's a different thing to think that we were gonna try to With our own power bring about the fulfillment of these prophecies That's a different thought process there rather than God and his sovereign nature will work all things to bring about his will Right. So I think that's a, that's a complete different thought process there that we need to understand So another piece of news here that's really interesting concerning the relationship between Russia and Israel Uh, This is from Syrian Arab News Agency. Uh, Russia won't recognize any Israeli attempt to impose control over occupied Syrian Golan. So if you guys know that uh, since this um, Russian invasion of Ukraine started, uh, the Russia and Israel relationship has been really teetering. It's been really, um, it's been getting tested to say the least, right? So we've been seeing, Really aggressive rhetoric, rhetoric, negative rhetoric coming from Russia against Israel. And it just continues, it just continues. So uh, Dmitry Polinski, first deputy permanent, uh, permanent representative of the Russian Federation to so the United Nations, has reiterated Russia's stance in rejecting any Israeli attempt to seize the occupied Syrian Golan, stressing that the Golan is a Syrian territory. Uh, we know, scripturally speaking, uh, and, and just, truth, right, and just basic reality, the Golan Heights is Israeli territory. They need that territory. It's like a key piece of territory there uh, that they need. Because if they don't have the Golan, it makes defending themselves that much harder. So this is like a really important piece of land for the Jews, for Israel. And I think uh, Trump, when he was in office, he recognized the Golan Heights as uh, Israeli territory um, to, of course, the, the behest of the international community. There was a lot of outcry for that, uh, but he did it anyways. But everybody else is like, oh, no, that's not legitimate. You can't do that, whatever. So anyways, Russia is just saying, they're just reiterating that point, that that's not your territory. Uh, don't do that. You know, We don't recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan. And that's just interesting, again, to see uh, this antagonism from Russia increase against Israel, because Ezekiel 38, we know that this Russia-led coalition will be going against Israel in the future for a spoil. So I don't think it's too much of a surprise to see um, animosity build between these guys, their relationship fracture and grow weak, um, because I think such a thing kind of uh, is necessary for a future invasion to occur, right? They need to, they need to be, at least in my opinion, I feel like they need to have some resentment towards Israel uh, to have it make sense why they would invade against them. And we know that they'll invade as well due to spoil, due to financial gain. Um, so that's why the Abraham Accords is important, because it's bringing a more prosperous Israel, a more prosperous Middle East. So those are just some things we need to consider as well there. Uh, so next up here, guys, is um, a very interesting news piece of news here. So this is from RT roman empire's alliance would benefit europe um so french president emmanuel macron has been talking about for a while that he wants to build like a like a large eu army he wants to build like a large eu coalition he said this recently after being reelected elected that he wants to build like a like a large eu coalition or something like that and now uk prime minister boris johnson is saying something similar but he's essentially, and I want you guys to read this and just, just try to see where your mind goes to as I read this. I won't, I won't get ahead of myself here. But I'll just read it to you guys, and just tell me what you feel this sounds like. So, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson was repeat reportedly so infatuated President uh, French President Emmanuel Macron's idea of a European political community encompassing not only the EU but Eastern Europe, particularly Ukraine and the UK, that he has claimed it as his own idea and framed it as a modern take on the Roman Empire. Hmm, a modern take of a Roman Empire. I wonder what that sounds like. Johnson's modern imperium, which stretched from the UK to the Maghreb region of Northern Africa and eastward to Turkey and Ukraine. He said, he he declared he had come up with Macron's idea Back when I first became Foreign Secretary, and revealing he believed we should basically be recreating the Mare Nostrum of the Roman Empire in an audience with journalists en route to Madrid for a NATO summit on Tuesday. So, Mare, the article defines what Mare Nostrum is. So, Mare Nostrum was the Roman name for the Mediterranean Sea, adopted at a time when the Empire controlled much of Europe, the coast of Northern Africa, and modern day Turkey. So, essentially, what UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is talking about here is that he's basically saying that hey let's bring back the Roman Empire. <laughs> and and why this is so important guys that when we go to like uh chapters like Daniel 2 with Nebuchadnezzar's statue with the different empires, the ten toes, the the ten kings, Daniel 7 with the different beasts, right? We always say okay, we know that the first kingdom is Babylon and then it's Persia and then Greece and then Rome and then Usually, the the common thought nowadays is that this last day's empire will be a revived Roman Empire. We've been saying that for a long time. I've written articles about that. I've said that for a long time. I'll, I'll read some of these verses for you. Um, but, I mean, it's just interesting how we've been saying revive Roman Empire, revive Roman Empire for, for years, decades now, right? And now, suddenly, well, not suddenly, but, I mean, uh, Boris Johnson here is saying that, yeah, that that would be a great idea. We should have, like, a, a modern Roman Empire. We should revive <laughs> the Roman Empire and it's like you can't make this stuff up. It's it's just crazy so let's read the part of the article and he said um, Back when I first became foreign secretary revealing that he believed we should basically Be recreating the mere nostrum of the Roman Empire. So we should just be recreating the the the, um, the expanse of the Roman Empire the authority of the Roman Empire that it had at that time back in the day, back in the day, several thousand years ago, um, we should bring that back. That's that's the revived Roman Empire that he's basically speaking into. So let me just read uh, some scripture here, where we, where we get this from, where do we see that the Bible tells us that there will be this last day's kingdom that can be called like a revived Roman Empire here. So I'll just look at Revelation or Daniel 7. I encourage you guys to read Daniel 2 as well, Nebuchadnezzar's statue. Um, basically the same ideas being elaborated to us, but just in two different visions. Um, Nebuchadnezzar sees a statue with different colors, or different um, elements rather, such as gold and then silver and iron. Um, whereas Daniel, he sees four beasts. So Daniel 7, um, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head. Uh, While on his bed, then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first was like a lion, had an eagle's wings. I watched till his wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. So that's Babylon. And suddenly, another beast, a second like a bear, was raised up one side. And had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said to thus, they said thus to it, rise, devour much flesh. That's Persia. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. That's Greece. And then here's Rome here. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth, it was devouring, breaking in pieces, and traveling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had 10 horns. That's that's now, it's like Rome and the revived Roman Empire, the last days, Antichrist kingdom. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. And if you guys uh, match us up with uh, Revelation 13, you'll see that Revelation 13 and Daniel 7 have a lot of similarities between the beasts of the sea and these four beasts here. Um, so we, we know that the last days, Antichrist kingdom is, is coming. Uh, Daniel 7 speaks about it, Daniel 2 speaks about it, and it's eventual destruction. Uh, but again, it's interesting seeing, we shouldn't be surprised to see that world leaders have this idea that they wanna put this system about, and the system they're talking about is what the Bible has already prophesied thousands of years in advance, right? So it shouldn't surprise us that this is what's going on. Uh, Cody says, I believe they could be moving most of our weapons overseas to Europe for this using Ukraine as an excuse. Yeah, I know they're giving weapons to Ukraine. I'm also giving we also know that they're giving a lot of uh, aid to Ukraine as well, right? So that's the thing as well. Um, we don't know if they don't do that for like uh, some type of super EU army or super EU state or whatever, but I mean, Macron has been televising this as, uh, as a goal he's had. So we'll just have to keep tabs on it and see what happens. But it's definitely interesting to see um, this being set up in our time today, and the ideas for this in our time today. So, uh, another article here, guys, from The Guardian. This is about Monkeypox. So, last week we had an article where The Who was going to convene, and, and they're basically going to decide if Monkeypox has risen to the level where they can declare it as a global pandemic they met and they said no it's not up to that level yet which is which is great because it's it's just not it's not a pandemic right but a lot of us were like hey is this is going to be covid 2.0 and i still believe they could pull that move down the line that they could still come back and then say you know oh this is just like covid and uh, we need to lock down the whole world like we did with covid um, because it's kind of been following the same playbook right i mean we we've talked about this it's monkeypox has been following a similar if not the same playbook as what we saw with COVID. So the Guardian, who warns, who World Health Organization warns monkeypox could become another pandemic like COVID-19. So even though they convened, they said, no, this isn't pandemic level. We shouldn't be, you know, it's not up to the level of pandemic. They're still saying that it could be another COVID, right? So World Health Organization yesterday, so this article was posted on the 29th. So this is the 28th that they warned this. World Health Organization yesterday warned that the ongoing global outbreak of monkeypox could become another pandemic like COVID if uncoordinated response and inequitable access to vaccines persist. They always bring in equity equity equity, right? They always say, you know, like the richer nations need to need to donate vaccines and things like that to poor nations and this and this and equity is always the, the biggest thing nowadays in terms of uh uh, medicine and, and uh, pandemics. We saw it a lot with uh, COVID, but I mean that's 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 besides the point though, but the main thing here is that they're still, they're still looking at this as a possible issue that could be a COVID 2.0. And why that matters to us, why that should matter is that these past two years we've seen what they've used COVID for, right? Whatever opinions you have on COVID, whether it was creating a lab or it was and they, they created this crisis themselves, or it was, you know, generated in, in nature or whatever, and then they just used it as an excuse, whatever opinion you have, the truth is, we saw them use COVID to further several agendas, right? Like, uh, the digital IDs was one, the, the vaccines was another. Uh, getting people to adopt these different mindsets that, hey, if you don't have this you know, medical procedure done on you, then you can't buy or sell. You can't do this and that. So it's just getting people ready to have this certain mindset. Um and we see we saw people too saying that, hey, we need to have a global pandemic treaty to make sure that no other pandemics like this occur in the future. So we're just seeing how COVID was used for narrative after narrative. Digital currency, it sped up initiatives for digital, it sped up so much. Global Global governance, digital currency, technology, I mean, it was just used in in just crazy ways that sped up the prophetic clock from what I was seeing. So imagine Monkeypox essentially doing the same thing because they would milk it for all it's worth essentially if if it raises up to pandemic level. So that's why I wanted to talk about this because if it gets to a pandemic, if they declare it as a pandemic, they'll just use like they did, COVID. And that's that's really important to note. Uh, so the Jerusalem Post, another article here. This one's very interesting concerning the setup of Ezekiel thirty-eight uh, and the nations of Ezekiel thirty-eight, because we know that uh, certain African nations are part of this coalition. Um, let's see. I, let me just read off some of these nations here. Ezekiel thirty-eight. Uh, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, "Son of man, set your face against Gog, go the land of Magog." the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against them. And I mean, Iran's in this, we'll, we'll hear Persia, uh, Turkey's in this, uh, Libya, Sudan, these different nations. Uh, Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against you, O God, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks into your jaws and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling sir- swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with you. All of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, and all its troops, Thaus of Togarma from the far north, and all its troops. Many people are with you. So list these nations here. And why this is so important, guys, uh, is that we see that these some of these African nations will be a part of this Ezekiel 38 coalition. Now listen to this. Now that we know and understand that, listen to what's going on here. The Jerusalem Post, Russia's presence in North Africa is increasing the presence of Russia in North African countries is increasing in a region where political instability and milit- militant activity are spreading, Spanish Foreign Minister Jose Manuel Albares said on Tuesday. He said there is a growing Russian presence in Africa and Northern African countries. Uh, so again, based on what we just read, uh, this is Ezekiel three Coalition will be largely Middle Eastern nations, obviously Europe, uh, composing mainly of Russia, and then there'll be some African nations there as well. So knowing that, it should not surprise us when we hear that Russian presence is is increasing in Africa in general and in North Africa specifically. Uh, That's expected. My response to that is, wow, I mean, that's setting up just as like what the Bible told us, right? So that should not be uh, surprising to us. It's just another facet of Ezekiel 38 that we're seeing set up. Uh, As we usually talk about, the Abraham Accords, is playing into that, right? The Abraham Accords. People that hail it as like the best things since sliced bread say that you know it's it's leading up to a more prosperous and safe Israel and Middle East. Well, those are the conditions that need to be in place, like Ezekiel thirty-eight says, uh, because these nations come against a prosperous Israel dwelling in safety, safety dwelling in security, and that's what the Abraham Accords is helping bring about in the Middle East and in Israel. Um, so there's that as well. There's the antagonism with uh, the, the uh, deteriorating relationship between Russia and Israel that I believe will be adding to why Russia may want to uh, go against Israel later because I mean last week and two weeks ago right we we talked about the deal that Israel and Egypt and uh, the EU block right they had this deal they coined this deal that they the EU will now get oil or gas rather from Israel right so that will circumvent their need for Russia, and I'm sure that Russia's not gonna be happy about that because they've been using uh, the uh, European dependence on Russian oil as kind of blackmail, as, as a way to threaten them, right? But if Israel can supply them oil, that just kind of weakens Russia's authority on that end, right, so that can be another reason they try to go against Israel in the last days. So we're just seeing all of these components, all of these puzzle pieces coming together, and as time marches on, we get a clearer and clearer picture of wow, what could be leading to this, or how could this lead to what the Bible says, uh, which is very interesting. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I have uh, any more articles here. So yeah, a few articles here from The Guardian. Uh, Israel and Saudi Arabian talks over joint defense against Iran. Uh, Jewish News Syndicate, U.S. hosted secret meeting of Arab and Israeli delegates to discuss Iran threat. Uh, so the Biden administration right now, I think Biden is going to go to Israel. Uh, sometime in July, but there's already discussions uh, with uh, Qatar and and, and uh, Bahrain, and these Middle Eastern nations with Israel. Uh, Saudi Arabia is a part of it too. They're getting together to talk about Iran. Iran's the biggest threat. These Middle Eastern nations, such as the UAE, Bahrain, who have uh, done who have, or are part of the Abraham Accords with Israel, they're running to Israel mainly not because really that they love Israel and you know they love the Jewish people i mean that's what we see but it's mainly because they're scared of what iran's going to do right because iran's constantly threatening them iran's constantly harassing saudi arabia and then using these terrorist organizations against them but they know that israel is the one capable nation in the region that can stand up against iran so that's kind of what this is about here and it's interesting to see Saudi Arabia in this because Saudi Arabia is the nation that is just the key one that's being highlighted here. Um, and, and the Biden administration and some people in the Biden administration have also been teasing that Saudi Arabia could be the next nation that would get into the Abraham Accords of Israel. Uh, we've talked about why that's significant because Sheba and Dedan, the, the region of current day modern Saudi Arabia is ancient Sheba and uh, Sheba will be the nation that will uh, will be part of the nations that protest the invasion. We see that in Ezekiel 38, 13. Sheba the merchant of Tarshish, and all their young lions with you, or uh, lions will say to you, if you come to take plunder, if you gather your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder. So there'll be some nations who are against the invasion. They won't do anything. They'll just protest. And why news like this is interesting, again, is that Israel and Saudi Arabia to work together for a joint defense against Iran that shows they have some type of positive relationship, right? Especially when I tell you guys that decades ago Saudi Arabia used to be one of the nations that wanted to wipe Israel off the map and now they've totally made a 180 and Now they're buddy-buddy with with Israel, right? So it's it's very interesting to see that that shouldn't surprise us It should be what we're expecting Uh, when we understand what the Bible says concerning what the last days will look like. And that's why we get together here every week for you guys to talk about these things so you guys aren't caught off guard, so you guys aren't unaware of these things. I know Paul says that concerning uh, the devices of Satan, but even scriptural truth in general, right? We shouldn't be unaware and ignorant of what the scripture says on any subject, eschatology, uh, um, salvation, you know, The the Trinity, whatever subject it is in the Bible, we shouldn't be ignorant about it. Uh, And that includes eschatology or the study of the last days. Um, So that wraps up the articles I had today. There was a lot to get to, uh, but I actually got to it all um, today, which is is very rare. So just thank God for that. Um, But again, guys, we usually wrap this up with a word of encouragement because we don't want to leave you, you know, scared or worried or or anxious like oh my gosh all these things are happening and and the world is falling apart and things like this we don't want to leave you in that state we want to leave you with the note of encouragement right um, because we know that Bible prophecy ultimately revelation 19 10 Bible prophecy is ultimately supposed to point us to jesus christ if it's rightly taught and rightly understood it should point us to jesus christ so for the believer it should encourage us all of these things shows us that hey jesus is coming back soon we're not going to go through the tribulation period right we're going to go we're going to be taken out of the earth before that through the rapture the pre-tribulation rapture of the church so as we see these things happen and these things shows us that hey the, the tribulation is getting closer and closer but before that the rapture happens that means the rapture is getting even more close than that right so that should encourage us that should spur us on to holy living um so second peter 3 10 and 13 speaks to this but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. So here in 2 Peter 3, 10, 13, Peter is specifically talking about, uh, he talks about prophecy, he specifically talks about the new heavens and the new earth, that these this current heavens and new earth or current heaven and earth will be destroyed one day, replaced with the new heavens and new earth. And he says that, okay, if you know that that's gonna be the case, if you know that that's coming, how should you live now in expecting of that reality? So likewise, how should we live now expecting that Jesus Christ is gonna catch his church away one day, how should we live now knowing that, hey, one day we'll be glorified and ruling and reign with Christ on earth. How should we live now knowing that one day we will stand before the Lord in the bema seat or the judges meet of Christ and we will either gain rewards for how we lived our life now or we'll lose rewards based on how we live now. So that should spur us to holier living. It should cause us to be more excited for the Lord. It should cause us to share the gospel more and it should cause us to just uh, have our faith build up and also, whether through uh, any uh, trials or um, or just difficulties in life that we're facing, uh, because of scriptures that I always remember and go back to, is when Paul says that the momentary affliction that we face now. And we know Paul if we if we read through Acts and and the epistles and see just how Paul is abused and beaten and thrown in jail and and he talks all those things, right? We see everything that he's gone through. Uh, so if he's if anybody could complain, possibly about. Uh, what they suffered, it can be Paul. He he has the qualifications to raise his hand and say, hey, I went through all this grief and he can complain about it, but he doesn't do that. He says that the momentary afflictions, the light afflictions of, that he's currently facing, that we currently face here, can't even begin to compare. to the glory that'll be revealed in us later, right? So, and that's, again, that's Paul. Despite everything he faces, he calls it just momentary affliction, light affliction, because he sees that, hey, what we're gonna experience in the future is gonna far outweigh any trials or grief or stress, tribulations that we're experiencing now. So that's something that we should take with us uh, just in our life in general, right? We have to remember that because this world, the Lord said that this world, we, we will have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Um, so that's just something important to take note of. Another scripture here is... Uh, going back to this idea is a good one. First John 3, 2, 3, Beloved, now we are children of God, and has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, the hope of the rapture, the hope of seeing him, the hope of the revealing, uh, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So again, that's the idea of, if we have a hope of this future event, the rapture, we it should change how we live. It should change how we think. It should uh, allow us to holier living or, or spur us into holier living, right? So, Bible prophecy should do that. It should encourage us. It should cause us to live holier. It should change our lives. And for the unbeliever, it should bring you to Jesus. It should bring you to the cross, um, because we what we preach here is Christ and Christ crucified, right? That Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried on the third day, rose again. And we just want to elaborate on that truth, too, that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Today could be our last day that we breathe, our last. And if you die apart from Christ, unfortunately, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. So if you die apart from Christ, you are going to be sent to hell. God will judge you. He's a just judge, and he must judge evil. He must judge sin. And all of us are sinners. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. But Christ died in our place as the perfect substitute, as the perfect sacrifice. He lived a perfect life. He took on God's wrath in our stead on the cross, so that when we believe in him, his righteousness is imputed to us or given to us, and we will have eternal life. So we want to also use Bible prophecy as a tool or as a means to share the gospel in that manner. So we encourage you that if you're listening to this today and you haven't trusted in Christ for your salvation, to do that today. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, Paul says that today is the day of salvation. Uh, So we hope that you believe on that message. And again, for believers, I hope that this encouraged you and it just adds uh, extra, I guess, spring in your step (laughs) uh, in the coming week that they just remember that, hey, all these things that we're seeing, uh, doesn't mean that the world is falling apart, means that the world is falling into place. God is on his throne, Uh, none of this catches him by surprise. He looks at what the evil doers and our leaders are doing and he laughs on his throne, right? Psalm 2, so we can rest in that assurance. Uh, so yeah, that's it for tonight, guys. And just a reminder, if you guys join late, it was just me tonight, Brother Stefan He's not feeling well. He's still feeling a lot of pain. Uh, so I ask that you guys keep him in prayer. And Lord willing, he'll be back with us next weekend. So I hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy your 4th of July for all of us who are living in Minnesota, or sorry, not Minnesota, but the U.S. Uh, and just enjoy and don't take for granted the freedom that we have in this country to share the gospel, to uh, live out our convictions, and, and just Do things like read the Bible and do things like this because not everybody can do that around the world, right? So we know our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ don't have this privilege. So definitely enjoy your weekend and see you back later next week.